0: Well, hey, how about uh, that band wearing the Panthers jerseys this morning? Do you guys like to be led by them? Yeah. It's, I mean, they look like the team. They, uh, they didn't know, but uh, in between services, I went and switched the lights from blue to orange because I got to represent my Cleveland Browns today. So uh, I snuck that one in on them. Well, hey, it is the uh, beginning of football season, and uh, for me, that brings fantasy football. I love to play fantasy football, and uh, this week, this Christian comedian, he makes this uh, video, and he kind of has some fun with his pastor friends, uh, and he kind of has like a fantasy football draft only with pastors instead of football players. Uh, And so he kind of goes through the whole thing, and at the very end, he says, you know, and if your, your pastor's on bye week or has to miss, make sure you start the youth pastor So you guys are stuck with me uh, on the first week, so I'm excited about that. We'll have some fun with that. Well, hey, we're just going to kind of jump in and and dive in today. Uh, As Nancy shared, we are in chapter 24 of the story. Uh, I like this story and reading the story um, because it just kind of is a reminder that we're all part of, of God's big story, and we all have an individual story within that. And so as we're reading through history, as we're reading through the story, uh, in chapter 24, we kind of learned that Jesus you know, has grown up. Uh, last week, we learned that he was baptized by this guy named John the Baptist, and um, he's continually uh, beginning his ministry. And so this kind of kicks off his ministry, um, and he's going around, he's performing a lot of miracles uh, and the crowd begins to kind of follow behind him. And so he you know, makes time for them, and he's performing all these miracles. And word travels fast, and the crowd begins to grow, to grow, and to grow. Uh, and where we're at, going to be at today is Matthew chapter 5. So if you brought your, your Bibles or uh, you've got your phone, you can pull that up. That's where we're going to be kind of hanging out in today. And so Matthew chapter 5 is actually in this chunk uh, where there's miracles happening you know, before this time period, and then there's miracles after this. Now this is kind of something worth paying attention to. Um, So as Christians, we believe that uh, this book of Matthew was written by a guy named Matthew that was inspired by God. So it's Matthew's perspective of the good news. It's his perspective of Jesus Christ. And so it's important that we kind of take note of how Matthew writes this and the order that he writes this. We're in Matthew chapter 4. Last week, Uh, This week we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. And uh, as I said, you know, it's just kind of like Jesus is doing miracles and then he kind of stops and then he goes back to doing some miracles. And so it's kind of worth paying attention to. Um, Sometimes what we can do is we can kind of get in the sense of like we really love Jesus as the ethical teacher, but we don't really like the Jesus and don't really understand the Jesus, you know, that raised from the dead and cast demons out. Excuse me. And things like that. And so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take like certain religions. We'll say, man, we believe Jesus was a great prophet. We believe that Jesus was a great teacher. But, he, you know, he's not God. Um, but I think Matthew specifically puts things in this order to help us remember uh, who Jesus is. And he has these different teaching styles. It's like, you know, we all love the Jesus who turns water into wine. Am I Right but we don't necessarily kind of sometimes connect with this Jesus who says, "Hey, don't lust. Don't get divorced. Don't return evil for evil." I mean, these are some difficult concepts that Jesus talks about in this Sermon on the Mount in this chapter 5, but I think Matthew does this is because he wants us to remember that the same Jesus that taught us those difficult principles is also the same Jesus that died for our sins because he knew he knew that we weren't going to be perfect and he loves us so much. So that's kind of that. And then on top of that, um, I think Jesus teaches in two different kind of styles. He's got these parables that he teaches from. It's like the, uh, the, the prodigal son and things like that, um, where it's these stories. And then he's got like more of a direct style that Jesus teaches from. And so we're going to be looking at one of those direct styles. Now, I think Jesus does that is because Jesus doesn't want to just teach us uh, what to think. Jesus wants to teach us how to think. Oftentimes, uh, we look at a current condition of our society. We'll say, well, you know, Jesus didn't really talk about that specific thing. Jesus didn't really talk about that. Well, you're right. Jesus didn't talk specifically about pornography because the Internet wasn't invented yet. And if he would have tried to explain that to his people, his disciples and teach us everything exactly about when it comes to what to think, it would have just gone over their heads and we wouldn't have been able to understand it. So Jesus teaches us how to think. It's kind of like two sides of a coin, like you can't have one without the other. You can't, you know, split those up. Um, so to take on these new issues, he teaches us, you know, exactly how we need to think. And what that does is that causes like us to be transformed in our minds and how we think. And I think this is why Paul wrote to us in Romans twelve two. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. All right, there's a promise there. Did you catch it? It says, if we want to know what God's will is, if we want to know what the right thing is, what the good thing is, what God wants from us, then we need to transform our mind and change how we think. And I think this is what this better series that we're in right now is all about, is teaching us how to think better and also have a better life here and now. So how in the world do we do that? I mean, yeah, it's kind of obvious, it's stated we need to transform our mind, but I mean, what does that actually look like? Now, I think we can get a glimpse of this uh, when we look at marriage. And in fact, the Bible oftentimes compares like an earthly marriage to the union between Christ and the church. Um, before I met my wife, Claire, uh, I pretty much did, like, whatever I wanted to do, right? I mean, I honored God in that way, but there was nobody else, really, that I had to take care of. It was really just me on my taxes, and so there you go. I just kind of did what I want. So I ate at this place called In-N-Out, which is from Southern California and Arizona, where I lived, like, all the time. Like, my favorite thing to get was this uh, thing on the secret menu. It was called a 3 by 3 It was a Three layers of burger with three layers of cheese in between it, ketchup and mustard on top. That was my jam right there. In fact, I called it the three by three by three because I would eat it three times a week. I mean, it was ridiculous. Uh, My budget, right? It was just me that I'd take care of. So my budget included things like motorcycles and hot rods and all these kind of things like that. Um, And, you know, then like, you know, I would be out flirting with girls, you know, respectfully. But I was single and that's, you know, something that I wanted to do. Um, you know, But then I met Claire. And you never really realize how selfish you are until you get married. And so these things start, kind of started to change in my life. Like the eating out, that kind of phased away. I don't do that as much. There's no way my wife is gonna let me do that as many times. And you know, motorcycles, the loud engines, the hot rods, those kind of transformed into like safe, automatic transmission sedans. And home decor, like literally, that's my budget. Home decor, right? Uh, you know, and it's not even that I just like stopped flirting with women. It's like I don't really even have a desire to do that at all because my whole focus, all of my energy, my time, my money is spent towards my wife Claire. Now, now that didn't just like happen overnight. It was a process. So like we dated. Then we broke up, and then we dated, and then we broke up, and then we dated, and then we broke up, you know, she's like, I'm too good for this guy, and I'm like, please, you know, and so we dated, and we, you know, and then we got engaged, right, and there was a a season of we were engaged, and we had to learn some things through that, and then we got married because a transformation in a relationship is a process. It's not just something that happens just once. It's continually happening, and we're continually able to grow and learn and develop together even in marriage, Uh, Think about it, like, from a perspective of a parent. Like, parenthood doesn't end in the delivery room. Like, you're just really getting started in that sense, especially for us guys here. It's this process that happens. Now, let me just be really, really clear. Um, You can be a great parent, you can be a great spouse, and you can be a great person and not be a Christian, okay? Unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of really good people uh, that aren't able to make it to heaven because they haven't made this transformation spiritually. Like, their mind may have been transformed when they met their spouse or when they had a parent, but spiritually, this relationship with God, they haven't experienced yet. So what does this look like? I think Jesus gives us a clear pathway, a roadmap of what that can look like, and it's found right here in Matthew chapter 5. So let's, let's dive into this. So this is verse 1 and 2. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Okay, so there's kind of like two audiences here that Jesus is is teaching to. He's got like the inner circle, which are kind of like his disciples, his twelve followers, his his 12 like interns, if you want to call it, his, his 12 friends. And they've been with Jesus for a long time. They've been following him. They've got this relationship with him. And then beyond that, there's the crowd. And this crowd is continually to grow because they've heard about the miracles. They're fascinated by Jesus. And I think that's fascination is a great strategy for the gospel. Uh, and so they're fascinated by Jesus. And so these crowds continually be able to grow and they want to hear what Jesus is going to say. They want to hear what he's going to do next and see what he's going to do next. And so Jesus goes up on a mountainside so that everybody can hear this important message. Now, maybe that's kind of where you found yourself today. Um, Maybe you believe in God, maybe not. Maybe you kind of got dragged here. Um, Maybe you don't feel like you're in this inner circle. You feel like, that church isn't really for me. Like, you know, this whole relationship, you know, I don't really know what that looks like, you know, kind of whatever. Like, that's okay. Like, that's where you're at right now. And I still think that you can get something from this message that Jesus has for us today. So Jesus is getting ready to teach this message. It's the longest recorded sermon in the whole Bible. And it's like, what is he going to begin with? So what he begins to talk about is this idea of being blessed and what a better life looks like and what a blessed life looks like. Um, now, the, we call this section the Beatitudes because it comes from the Latin term of blessedness or happiness. And the Greek word for blessed actually means happy, blissful, or literally it means to be enlarged. So we can get a sense here of what Jesus is going to be teaching about is a blessing that comes from growth. Well, let's read this entire message, and then we'll kind of break it down a little bit more. So this is Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 10. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Oftentimes, when the Beatitudes in this section of Scripture is taught, uh, and I've taught it this way myself, is they're actually broken up individually. You might like take on one a week or something like that. And I think that there's a lot of truth that comes from looking at these as kind of one-off Proverbs. But to get the full scope of what Jesus is trying to teach us with this, what we're going to do is we're going to look at these as kind of a unit. And within this unit, there's kind of like an outer shell, like an outer bracket, and then there's uh, a lot of meat there in The middle. Now, verses uh, 3 and verses 10, the first and the last one are going to be the brackets on the outside that kind of contain the rest of this message. So let's just look at those two together side by side. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus, he gives us two different conditions, but yet he gives us the same promise with both of them. Now, whenever we see something repeated in Scripture, that's pretty important. So if you're ever reading through Scripture at home or with your small group and you see that there's a repetition there, dive a little bit deeper into that because it's typically something that's pretty important. Now, the promise there, it says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice the tense that Jesus is using. It's a present tense. Jesus is saying this can happen here. This can happen now. This is something that you have an ability to experience now. So the the other beatitudes on the inside that we're going to look at just in a second, you'll see those are more directed at the future. But what Jesus is trying to give us an assurance of right now is that we can actually experience a piece of heaven right now. Now, that statement might be a little bit difficult for you to wrestle with, and that's okay. Okay but think about this. Has there ever been a moment where you felt extremely close to God? A moment where you felt closer to God than you've ever felt before? For me... Uh, every year I go to this conference called Catalyst, and I love this conference. It's this conference for Christian leaders uh, who are in the church, who are in their community, who are in nonprofits. It's just just really challenging, and I always get something from it. It's it's every year. In fact, I'm going to be headed there in a couple weeks. Um, But in 2014, uh, I was in Catalyst in Southern California because there's a West Coast version, so I was at that one, and you know, they'd been kind of grinding us pretty hard with all these leadership concepts. And this pastor comes out and begins to share. And he's teaching about burnout. And he's teaching about like being a Christian leader and being a pastor of pastors. And I just really related to a lot of that and just really experienced a lot from this. Um, and so I'm just like, just being filled spiritually. And I just, I'm like, wow, like this is just really hitting home at this point. Uh, and then the band Hillsong comes out. Uh, in two thousand and fourteen, they came out with a song called "Oceans." I don't know if you've ever heard that song. Um, so they come out on top of, you know this pastor doing his thing. They start singing the song, "Oceans," and this is just a room where there's like a thousand people are in this thing. And I mean, our hands are up. I mean, we're just really worshiping God in this moment. And they're singing this song like uh, Oceans. It goes, I will call upon your name to keep my eyes above the waves. And I'm like, God, like, I feel like I'm drowning, but I can keep my eyes on you. And just these whole room of people just got our arms raised. And like, the thing about Hillsong is like, they're from Australia. So, Uh, There's an Australian accent there. So like when I think about this moment, I don't think about the American uh, accent of awesome. I think about like the Australian accent. of like awesome. Like it's awesome. Like it was an awesome moment. And I'm just like, oh, this is awesome. You know, and I'm just like loving it. And it was just unreal. I don't know if you've ever had a moment like that. There was another time I was in uh, the Sahara Desert in West Africa, and I'd snuck into this country, and I'm there, you know, doing some support for Christians and really finding out how we can love on them and pray for them. And we're out in this remote village, uh, way out hundreds of miles from any technology or anything. and it's in the middle of the night. The stars are just shining so brightly. Um, and so we're we're surrounded this well. Um, and they had been praying uh, and because this well was supposed to be being filled with water so that people could have clean water. Um, but it wasn't happening. So there's about six of us, and we just surrounded that well, and we just began praying and we're saying, God like, fill this water with physical water, God, that that will give them clean water to drink, and God, that they will just feel your love. But God, beyond that, fill this with a a spiritual, a living water, God. Let them experience you in a new way. And like, we were just standing around this well, and we're praying, and it's like, I felt like God was right there in that moment. It was just unbelievable. I don't know if you've ever had a moment like that. Maybe you haven't. Have you noticed both of those stories are about times where I had to get I had to go somewhere like I left the normal circumstances and had to go and put myself in a new place to get a different perspective. And like we've got this trip coming up here pretty soon that you're going to hear about. Uh, It's plenty of time to to plan for. We're going to be going to Haiti. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing in Haiti is we're going to be building wells and planning out wells and working with this organization there. Like if you have not experienced a moment like this with God, like go to Haiti, like you will experience it because it will change how you feel and it will give you this amazing, just this time and you'll just feel closer to God. It's just unreal. Like this, that feeling is what the disciples were feeling as they sat at his feet and Jesus said, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Like they were like, they get it. They're sitting at the feet of God. Like they understand they've got this relationship with Jesus. They, they feel close to him. They've started to experience this. So when Jesus says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, like that inner circle, those disciples, they're like, yeah, we get it. Okay. So what about the crowd and what about the other beatitudes? How do they feel? Let's dive into those. This is Matthew 5, verses 4 through 9. This is, again, there's the first and last one. We're kind of a bracket. We're going to look at the middle here. It says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now notice, as we read those, the tense has changed. It's not is, it's will. It says they will be filled. They will inherit the earth. They will be shown mercy. These six promises are for the crowd and they're for you and I because they are what we can experience when we're a part of the kingdom of heaven. This is what heaven's going to be like. And you don't have to pick and choose. These are all things that are really going to happen in the kingdom that we're going to experience together. So the crowd, they, they look from afar and they they hear these words and they begin to see what Jesus is promising them for the future. And I think what they begin to see is they begin to see this pathway that Jesus is laying out for them, this pathway to righteousness, this pathway to have a kingdom of heaven's perspective. And then this is where I think the pathway lies, is in this center core. Here's what I mean by this. I believe that these principles that Jesus have for us are a pathway that he's laid out for us to have these individual steps. Here's what I mean by this. Here's the first step. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is the first step of this. So once you step onto this ladder, onto this pathway, this is the first step that Jesus is going to begin to build the rest of his work upon. And what being poor in the spirit means is that you understand that you sin and you're a sinner. You understand your brokenness. And you begin to see that you're broken and you need some help. This is the next step. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. See, once you realize that you've sinned, you begin to mourn out for God. Because you realize you're not going to be able to make it on your own. And you need God to come in and save you. You need a savior who's gonna be able to save you from your sin. And so you mourn out and you cry out for God and you're like, God, there's, it's not about me. I can't do this on my own. And Jesus lays out the next pathway and he says, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. See, meek does not mean weak. Meek is kind of like a wild Mustang or wild stallion that's allowed its rider to tame him. It's allowed the rider to take control. And so what we do is we say, God, I'm, I'm a sin sinner. God, I need you. God, I need you to take control of my life. I need you to be you know, the boss of my life. There's more to you than me. And so what we do is we allow God to bridle us and begin to take control of our lives. And so Jesus says, blessed are the meek. And then he says the next thing. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now notice the order here. You cannot... Hunger and thirst for righteousness if you are full of yourself. So, you have to become meek and then you can hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so, this whole journey right here is this pathway to righteousness. And this is where we really begin to hunger and thirst for it because we're saying, God, you're the Lord of my life. God, you're the boss of my life. It's not that I just need a Savior because I'm a sinner. God, but I need a Lord. I need someone that's gonna take control of my life. And as, as we begin to hand over the keys of our life and we really give all aspects of our life over to God for him to be in control of, that's when he begins to allow this transformation of our mind. Here's the next step. He says, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. And this transformation is taking over. And once that we realize that we're able to hunger and thirst for righteousness, we begin to see and experience this mercy that we can pass over to others. And we can't show mercy to others and give to other people what we have not experienced ourselves. So Jesus says the next step He says, Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. And mercy begins to to take over our heart and it begins to fill us and consume us and overwhelm us. And what that does is that purifies us in our heart. And this transformation process is again, really able to take some some shape and these self-seeking desires that we have and all these things that are, 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 are about our own, we're able to give up and give away and we focus it more and more on God. Our perspective, our viewpoint is changing right here. And so what we do is we begin to treat everybody with love and kindness. We're pure in heart. Now, those of you that have children and loved ones, you get this because you treat them and have a certain aspect for them more than other people. What, what Jesus is calling us to do is to love our neighbor as ourself. Jesus wants us to love everyone to this depth. And when we do that, then we can be peacemakers. And Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Again, once we've removed less of ourselves and we begin to see more things from God's perspective, then we can truly be peacemakers in the world. God wants you to feel this process yourself so that way you can go and hand this process over to others. Our perspective is changing. And the thing about this is that other people aren't gonna understand this viewpoint. They're not even just gonna not understand it. They're not gonna like it. And they may try to end you or pull you away or shut you down or discourage you. And that's why Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus promises us that those who follow him will experience persecution. Jesus says that many times. And think about John the Baptist, who we read about in chapter 24 this week. He was beheaded. He was beheaded after he was thrown in prison. Think about the 700 plus Christians in the Middle East that have had to flee their homes because they've experienced some sort of persecution. Think about the 58 Christians who were killed in Syria in 2010 because of their faith. You will experience persecution as you work your way through this process and you begin to see this heavenly perspective. Now you you may not be beheaded or killed or forced from your home, but you will experience hardship. I think this is why Jesus puts this at this part is because persecution is the purest form of righteousness. This is the epitome of this pathway that Jesus has for us, is it's not about us. It's about seeing things from a heavenly perspective. And when we begin to do that, people don't like it. They'll persecute you. And that's why Jesus promises us with a present tense, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. As we work this way, through this pathway, we will get a new perspective. Your mind begins to be transformed. You're going to see things differently. Instead of looking at it from earth the way that we've been doing it, you begin to see things from God's perspective. Now, this journey up this ladder, this isn't about perfection, That's why Jesus performed the resurrection. God doesn't call us to be perfect. He calls us to be faithful. And this process of being faithful, what this means is constantly thinking about what step am I on and what's the next step that God is calling me to? Because God wants to transform your mind and shift your perspective. Here's our big idea for today. Here's how you can wrap this up and apply this is if if you want to transform your mind, shift your perspective. If you want to transform your mind and start to see things the way that God does, you're going to have to shift your perspective. And when we begin to align our minds and align our viewpoint from God's instead of our own, we will see things differently and our minds will be transformed. Now, I think that God can put us in different stages of this process at different seasons of our life. There's gonna be times where he's calling us to mourn and we need to mourn out for God. There's other times that we're gonna be called to humility and God's gonna put that in our life. And there's gonna be times where we're gonna receive mercy and and he's he's gonna equip us and put that in this time. So my question for you is this, what step are you on? Do you see this transformation happening in your life, Some of you have been a Christian for a very long time. Can you look back and see the transformation happening? Do you see this blessing from growth that Jesus is talking about? Some of you are in the crowd and you're just starting out and you're not really sure about this whole thing. And the next step that God's calling you to is just to step on the ladder. He's saying, I want you to recognize and admit that you're a sinner and that you can't do this on your own. And that's why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. We just simply have to take that first step and believe in that. And then there's the process that will happen after that. Maybe that's the step you need to take. Next Sunday, we're going to have this thing called Next Steps. It's just going to be a gathering at Rusty Bucket. You can meet with Pastor Kyle and Pastor Nancy, and we can talk about the different next steps that you might have. Maybe that next step for you is joining South Park Church. That's, that's why we exist, because we want to help people in the spiritual crossroads of their life. This is what the spiritual crossroads look like, not, under, not understanding, hey, I'm at a crossroads. I don't know what my next step looks like. That's why this church exists. We want to help you take that next step. Maybe that's for you. Maybe your next step is to you need to get baptized, In two weeks, we're gonna have this this thing where we just open up our services and you're gonna be able to come and get baptized right here. Baptism is not just for children. I was baptized as an adult. Baptism is when we're acknowledging, okay, God, you're not only my savior, but you're gonna be my Lord and you're gonna make me new and you're gonna change my life and I'm gonna change my life to live for you. It's acknowledging that. You're gonna have an opportunity to do that. Maybe your next step is to get wet. If you wanna transform your mind, If you want to get through this process, you're going to have to shift your perspective. And when we shift our perspective to a heavenly one, instead of thinking things as the world does, we're going to see things differently. Our life changes. The way that we spend our time, our money, how we treat people, how quickly we forgive them, this all changes when we start to see things from a new perspective. And if you want to have a better life, if you want to experience this heaven on earth, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, you got to shift your perspective. So imagine with me for a second. Imagine with me for a second. Imagine how different, how much your life could change if you began to shift your perspective and see things from a heavenly one. You know, worry is a big thing in our culture. We worry a lot as a society maybe you're, you're worrying about children right now. Maybe you're worrying about your grandchildren and their future. Maybe you're just worrying about your own future. How would that perspective change if you began to see things from a heavenly one? You know, I think it's, it's fascinating. Uh, and we're in Matthew chapter 5. If we keep reading through the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus addresses this very thing. Here's what he says. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If this doesn't sound like a heavenly father comforting and putting his children at ease, like, I don't know what does. And did you catch that there? It says, seek first his kingdom. Seek a kingdom perspective. Seek first a pathway to righteousness, God's righteousness. You can't do this on your own. You have to shift your perspective. And when you do this, Jesus promises us right here that we don't have to worry. He's going to take care of us. He's inviting us. He's giving us everything we need to shift our perspective and see things differently. Now imagine this with me. Imagine if our church as a whole began to really see things from a heavenly perspective. Imagine if we shifted this perspective that we have on this building project and this Love South Park initiative and this whole Dream Big campaign and all of this that's going on and we started seeing it from a heavenly one. See, I know that this project doesn't just have an ability to change our church forever, but it has an ability to change the big C church. Churches everywhere, nationwide and internationally all over the world, about a strategy about how they can reach the gospel in a new way and reach more people for Jesus. So how are we going to respond to that? Are we going to respond from an earthly perspective? We're going to shift our perspective To a heavenly one. Are we going to think about, okay, what do I need from this project? What does this building need to look like for me? Or do we need to think about, hey, what does God need from me? What is the heavenly perspective? What about financially? We're going to view that earthly and think, man, I got to worry about how I'm going to pay for things and how I'm going to make ends meet and how much I'm going to give and how is God going to take care of me? Are we going to really stretch ourselves and say, God, you know what? I'm going to respond to a heavenly perspective, knowing that you're going to take care of me and that I don't have to worry because you've got this. And I'm working my way up this pathway of righteousness, and I'm going to see things from a heavenly perspective instead. Which way are we going to respond? If you want to experience a better life, if you want to experience an eternal life, transform your mind. And if you want to transform your mind, shift Your perspective. So what step are you on? I think this week, you need to go and share in your small groups what step you're on. Have some real accountability and and be open to share and say, this is where I'm at in my journey. And if you don't have anybody to talk to about that, we've got tons of small groups that you can join. Come to the Next Steps event with Pastor Kyle and Pastor Nancy. What step are you on? And where is God wanting to take you? Let's pray.